0: Thanks for tuning in to the Foundry Church Podcast, where our mission is to make disciples by guiding people to forge a lifelong reliance on God. In this episode, Pastor Andrew talks about what biblical tithing is, why it's so important to the Christian walk, and how we can take God at his word to trust him with our finances. You can find more information about who we are, what we do, or when we meet by going to thefoundrychurch.com. God bless. Alright, hey, one of, my, uh, one of my, rec- my friends recently was telling me a story uh, about another group of their friends. Right, so my buddy was telling me a story about two of his other buddies and he was saying, I was sitting there at a table with them, we, we, we get together, we have, uh, we have coffee every once in a while and, and we just kind of hang out and or we might go do something like play golf or, or shoot hoops or something. And, and he was saying that this one particular time around uh, a cup of coffee, one friend said to the other, he said, man. I hate debt. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> right? and, and after the others in the group kind of like spit their coffee out because it's like, why would you randomly say that? And they listened as this guy went on to explain that over the last 12 years, since he was in uh, high school, he had accumulated like $30,000 in credit card debt. He, he had student loan debt. And, and on top of that, he had car payments. He had a mortgage to pay every month. And, and on and on he went. Right? He, he felt like his life uh, was just out of control, and that every decision that he had to make from that moment on was based on the fact that, that he had this debt, this horrible financial situation kind of hanging around his neck, weighing him down. And so he's explaining all of this, and then, and then he leads over to the other guy sitting next to him, and he said, how about you, right? I bet you are in the same situation. And after a long pause, the man sitting next to him, right, my, and my friends just kind of watching this unfold, uh, they, were the, they were the same age, they kind of had the, the same education, they pretty much had the same exact job. And this guy said, after a kind of a pause, he said, actually, no, no right i'm not in the same situation right he explained that he had no credit card debt uh he paid his his college in full or he paid back his his debts in full and that was before the the student debt relief plan was announced right I, this, this guy had, had ample money saved in, in different mutual funds and stocks and he was driving a car that was completely paid for. And then he went on to say that now he was working on a, a plan that would allow he and his wife to eliminate his mortgage uh, and have absolute like, financial freedom and they could spend the money that they have in the way that they want to spend it. Right? These guys are the same age. They have the same jobs, pretty much uh, the same education. But for one, right, money was a source of bondage. All right? It was like that weight that we talked about around our, our, our neck, that chain weighing us down. And for the other, money, uh, these resources he had was a source of freedom and a blessing. All right. So Foundry Church, let me zoom out here for a second. All right. Right, last week, we began a series of sermons on everyone's favorite topic at church, right? money, right? financial resources. And last week, we challenged each other to do this, to commit to attack and pay off all uh, of our consumer debt because we learned, right, just as, as we read, and we'll read it again today, we can't serve two masters. And Jesus says, you can't serve both me and money. Right? It's like a, uh, becoming a slave to that debt. And this week we're going to talk about the second thing that we have to do as people who say, hey, we want to forge our life on God. And that includes everything from top to bottom, our wallet included. Right? So we're going to learn the second thing we have to do to kind of have this, this financial freedom in order to step into the will that God has for us and the ability to be generous like he's called us to be generous. And not have those two masters, uh, as it says in the Bible. And the second thing is this, right? We have to boldly commit to tithe 10% of our income to God through a local church, All right. And now that's a, that's a big one, right? And, and I know every, every time I preach on giving, every time I preach on money, it's when we start having new guests. Right? It's when people come or haven't been to church in a long time and they come back. And, and, and I'm going to ask us to do this, to commit, to tie 10% of our income to God through a local church before we leave the room today. Right? That we make that commitment in our lives. Now, I know uh, what a certain number of cynical people are immediately thinking. Right? You're thinking, aha, there it is, Andrew. Every every time I I come to church, they end up asking me for money. Or you're thinking, man, it's about time, right? I've been here for a few months. I never heard anything, right? So now you're thinking, All right? That's this is it, right? And that that's what this is, right? Just a, a another series uh, of sermons. You're thinking to give me to give more of my money to the church. And I get how you can think that. I, I do. I understand that. You know, there's this this famous uh, story that goes like this. The Theologian Thomas Aquinas once visited Pope Innocent II. You're not a very good pope if you're Pope Innocent. But anyway, that's another sermon. All right. So, all the former Catholics are going to be mad at me. Thomas Aquinas once visited Pope Innocent II at his at his palace in Rome. And Aquinas was stunned by the opulence, the the extraordinary display of wealth that was in everything. And when he found the pope, the pope was counting out a rather large mound of gold coins out onto a table. And without a care in the world, no worry about anything that was around him, it seemed that Pope Innocent turned to Aquinas and he said, You see, Thomas, the church can no longer say silver and gold have I none. And to this, Thomas Aquinas solemnly replied, True, Holy Father, neither can she now say, Rise and walk. Go and do. Right? It can certainly seem like the church only wants your money. We, we see the, the lavish mansions for prosperity gospels Uh, preachers that they have, and and every Sunday morning, you can find Christian television programs uh, that beg you for money, and then just a few weeks later, after they beg you for money, you see them uh, buying a private jet, right? There's even an Instagram account that's a pretty good follow, if you're on Instagram, called Preachers and Sneakers, and it highlights the, the overly expensive, pricey shoes uh, that uh, some preachers wear when they're giving a Sunday sermon. It's, it's a funny account. And for the record, I'm wearing Crocs this morning. <laughs> all right, all right, because you're not rocking unless you're crocking, and they were on sale. So, all, right, so uh, all I'm saying is that I see how it's so easy for us to think and for so many people to think That all the church wants is money. Remember last week when I asked you to promise to be here for the next two weeks. Because when you start a series on giving and money, usually the first week it's pretty good attendance. And then the second and third week, oh, like where did everyone go, right? Well, this week we're going to talk about tithing. Like, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna make that commitment. But but next week, well, next week we're gonna talk about building personal wealth according to one of the wisest guys uh, that ever uh, wrote scripture by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right, Solomon, right? And, and we're gonna see that it's not a sin to accumulate wealth in our lives, right? That it's uh, that we're called to leave an inheritance for our children's children, right? So so the series is not just getting people to give more money, right? Uh, we want something for you. Not something from you, right? And that's why here at the Foundry, uh, we take time every year, a couple weeks, to talk about money, right? Because we want something for you, and not from you, right? God doesn't need our money, right? But but He wants to be the Lord of our lives from top to bottom, our wallet included, and that's what we're going to see today, right? We're not asking for money to buy a, in the church a private jet. All right, let me assure you that your money will not be going to buy me anything, or something ridiculous, right? If our if our church, because uh, because if it, if your money was to be used for something ridiculous, my office would have a pizza oven, like right next to my <laughs> desk, right? <laughs> right? right? We're not we're not irresponsible with it. No, this this series is about breaking the chains that bind us, like the first guy in the story that I told, right? This series is about forging all of our life. Including our wallet, on God. All right. This series is about wisdom. It's about growth, and surrender, and freedom. And tithing is a key part in in doing all of that and achieving all of that. So let me let me start, first start by defining what tithing is. You see, Barna, which is a a research group, a firm, recently did a study where they found that uh, less than half of Christians, who people who say, "Yeah, I am a follower of," Uh, of jesus he's my lord less than half can decisively state what tithing is and then when when they surveyed u.s adults not necessarily christian just a larger pool and asked if they are familiar with the term tithe about two in five that's 39 percent indicated that they are familiar and are able to provide a definition of the word tithe so i thought it would be best for us to start with the basics Right, and work our knowledge up from there. The word tithe literally means 10% in the Hebrew language. That's just what it means. It's 10%. So, look, right, tithing means to give 10% of your income, right? 10%. Now, I, I checked this with Christina because I am horrible at math, but here's an example. If we have $100, Right? If I make $100, dollars like i got to look at my notes to make sure I get this right. We give 10. All right? That's a tithe. That's 10%. Right, makes sense. Right? Now, uh, a lot of people think asking people to tithe is some uh, pyramid scheme that the church came up with to guilt people into forking over their cash so the church can pay its bills. Right? I used to think that. Right? Eh, they just, eh, you know, some Pope Innocent came up with this or something. Now, let me, let me be clear. Right? The church did not come up with this idea. I did not come up with this idea. Our elders here at this local church did not come up with this idea. The church did not make this up. We are not that smart. Right? We teach people to tithe, including every single member of our staff that derives a salary from the church to tithe as well. Why? Well, that's our, our first lesson for today, right? We tithe because God commands it. Right? We tithe because God commands it. God said to do it, and I don't know about you, but that is usually a very good reason to do something. Right? I'm not telling you to do this, right? God is, so you can't get mad at me, right? God said, "Go and do it." In Leviticus, it says uh, it is given to the, the law, is given to the people, the people of Israel, to God's people, and it says this in Leviticus uh, chapter 27. If you have your Bibles. You can go ahead and turn there. It's on page 107 in the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. And you can take those Bibles with you. Uh, You can take them and give them away, have them, an extra one, or give it to a friend. Right? But Leviticus 27, it's not the main scripture where we're going to be today. But if you just want to look at this, chapter 27, verses 30. So in the Old Testament, it says this. Every tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or the, the fruit of its trees, is the Lord's. Right? It says it's, it is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall, shall add a fifth to it. Right? And every tithe of, of, of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. Right, verse thirty three: One shall not uh, differentiate between good and bad; neither shall he uh, make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy; it shall not be redeemed. Right? These are the commandments the Lord commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. All right? So that's the, the 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 traditional Jewish law explanation of tithing. Right, tithing is called holy to the Lord. Right? Whether you are bringing 10% of your goats, 10% of your your crops, 10% of your money, whatever you bring to the Lord as a tithe is called holy because it's set apart. That's what the word holy means. Set apart. So it's set apart for God and for his kingdom, for his use. Right? And, and it's a command And before you start to think, oh, that's just an Old Testament principle, right? It's just an Old Testament principle. In reality, tithing was taught before the Old Testament law, right? Before this law was given to Moses, tithing was still a principle and taught and used, right? In Genesis 14, Abram, who we know as Father Abraham, right? There's a song about that. The kids are probably singing it. Right, he gives the first ever tithe after he wins a battle. Right? He destroys an enemy, and he takes 10% of, his, uh, of, of the plunder, of all the gold, of the, the, the stuff he gets from, from that battle, right? and he gives it to the priest, uh, Melchizedek. He gives it to him as a tithe for the temple. And we see Jacob offer a tithe to the Lord too. Again, before uh, all of this, right? Because of God's protection. And then it was given to, the, to Moses as a law, right? But it, but it didn't stop there. This word tithe, right? Jesus reaffirmed it in Matthew chapter 23 when Jesus calls out uh, the Pharisees for using tithing as a way to get things, uh, to get out of things like justice and mercy. Right? They, they were using tithing as an, uh, an escape route for the, so that they didn't have to be nice and serve people. Right? Jesus says that, uh, that tithing, even in small matters and in small amounts, even then tithing is something not to be neglected. Right? That it's important. Right? So we're so we're building on this knowledge foundry church. We we know what a tithe is, and we know uh, why we should do it. Right? It's ten percent, and we should do it because God says we should do it. And we say, "Hey, Jesus is our Lord, right?" But how are we supposed to do it? That's the question. Well, if you turn within your Bibles to Malachi chapter three, now Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3 is where we're going to be for most of today. We're going to find our answer. And as you're turning there, as we're getting set here, uh, just to give you a little bit of context once I get there. All right. That, this is where we're going to spend most of our time today, right? So to give you just a little bit of context as you're flipping there, Malachi is the last book in our Old Testament. And the Old Testament uh, sort of follows this pattern of God saving his people from horrible things. They rejoice because they're saved, right? Right? And and they worship him, they give him honor, they give him glory, they adorn him with their songs and praise. And then some time passes and they forget about God. right? And and then they start worshiping other gods or no God. uh, Things kind of start to fall apart, they lose their way, and then God saves them again. And so then they start worship him, and they write songs of, uh, about how he came through, and, and they're forging their life on him, and, and they're doing all this, and, and then they, you know, kind of drift away over and over again. This is the pattern. Well, the book of Malachi uh, finds us in a place in Israel's history where you guessed it, right? They're, they are not doing so well right? They, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not keeping the laws of God. They were out of covenant with God. They were royally screwing up. They were missing the mark. And Malachi comes on the scene to tell them to get it together, right? To get their act straight. And so when we turn to chapter 3, we hear what they were doing wrong. Right, so read along with me what it says in verses 8 through 10 here. It simply says, will man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions, right? You are crushed with a curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now just keep your finger there. Let me pause for just a second. God has made it very clear through Malachi how we are supposed to tithe, right? And that is our next lesson. Our full tithe is to be brought into the Lord's house, right? Verse 10, it says it pretty plainly, bring your full tithe into the storehouse. Bring your full tithe into the storehouse. And a storehouse in the Old Testament was just a way of saying the temple. right? In our language, in our day and age, we would say, hey, the local church, your local outpost in the kingdom of God. And I get it, right? It may seem harsh, but but the Israelites were robbing God because they were not bringing the full 10% to God. right? And again, don't get mad at me for saying this. I didn't say it. God is saying it, right? But if we really think about it, it is actually a pretty reasonable and sensible request, right? Let me give you a completely hypothetical uh, situation that has never once happened uh, to me. Let's say uh, that your wife brought home two blizzards from Dairy Queen, right? Just a hypothetical situation. She brought home two Snickers blizzards from, from Dairy Queen. And let's say your, your wife uh, gave you one of those and you ate it like that, right? You just scarfed it down, but, but she was like, hey, I'm going to save mine for later. And so she put hers in the fridge, right? And let's just say hypothetically, she goes to bed early, right? <laughs> And say, hypothetically, you're still hungry, and you're sitting there watching TV, you're on the couch, and you think about, it pops into your head, hey, there's a Snickers blizzard in the freezer. And so, so you go and you take a bite of your wife's Snickers blizzard, thinking she won't notice one bite. All right? But then as the, just hypothetically, as the night goes along, you take a few more bites, Right? And by the time you're done, she has left, hypothetically, like 5% of the blizzard, if that, right? right. Just a, right now, 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 do you think it would be wise of me, or you, it's a hypothetical situation, <laughs> to bring her that 5% of the blizzard the next afternoon when she's like, Hey, I'm going to go eat my blizzard that I was saving. Or do you think she deserves for me, or you, hypothetically, to bring her the entire blizzard, right? That was hers. Now, like, again, this is purely hypothetical situation that has never really happened, right? But all I'm saying is that this request, this, this method for tithing from God is actually pretty reasonable, Right? Right, God is, is very clear here, right? Uh, giving a 10% or giving a part of that 10%, 3%, 6% is disobedience, right? Now, many of us think, ah, okay, I'll just kind of inch my way toward it. I've been there, right? Right, no, uh, no need to jump right in right now, right here, right? I'll start by giving 3% of my income, All right? And, and great. But remember, you're only bringing God a part of what he is owed. You're only bringing a part of his blizzard, right? And if he's anything like my wife, he's going to be a little upset that, that 10% is, is not there. Right, someone want to ask me, well, what if I make nothing? Well, I'm pretty good at math and uh, not good at math, but I'm pretty, I can do this one, right? 10% of nothing is nothing. Right? So, so God is not asking more of you than he's asking the next person sitting right next to you. He's asking 10%, uh, an equal sacrifice across the board. And he's asking you to bring it to his church. Right? He, he's clear. Take a look at this. Followers of Jesus are not allowed to split their ties between the church and other worthy, worthy causes. Right? Sorry, again, right? I know this is difficult teaching, Right? Right? You, you can't send me emails, though, because I didn't say this. God did. Right? Bring the full tithe to him. Right? Some well-meaning people spread their tithe around uh, between church and, and causes they believe in. 3% to the church, 2% to the Red Cross, 4% to the uh, American Cancer Society, maybe uh, 5% to a parachurch ministry, and 5% to their church. And listen, all of these are worthy causes, but it's still disobedience. Right? Let, let me explain. Let's say you give part of your uh, 10% to a cancer research group to help cure cancer. I agree. Right? Cancer is a major problem. My dad just died this year, beginning of this year, with complications from COVID uh, because of his bone marrow cancer. Right? A, a cancer that took almost three years to find. And by the time it had uh, been found, it had already wrecked its havoc on his body. Right? I know firsthand the need that we have for cancer research and better methods to find cancer and better methods to treat cancer. Right, Cancer is bad. But listen, my dad would be the first one to tell you, never divert your tithe to meet a temporal problem. Right? Remember, this is the foundry. We, we, we don't shy away from the tough teachings of scripture. Right? That's a tough teaching, right? Dad is is doing just fine without money for cancer research because he is in heaven with Jesus, the God that he forged his life on, right? Because someone gave to a local church, and that local church invested in him when he was in his 20s, right? Taught him how to have a relationship with Jesus, not just for, for a few months, not just for his time here on this earth but for eternity, right? So here's the thing, heaven and hell never go away. And the mission of the church is to guide people to forge a lifelong reliance on God, to go and make disciples of Jesus, not just temporarily help them on earth, but to, to give them this grace and this truth that it can only come from Jesus, to show them this way for all of eternity. Right? Who cares if we become the, the richest person in the world if we lose our soul? Right, and let me add, right, and the souls of those that we could have reached. Right, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of these commands. That's how we forge a lifelong reliance on God. That's how we guide people to forge a lifelong reliance on God. That is our mission, right? That is the the mission that Jesus gave us. In the past four years, nearly 30 people have found their way uh, back to God through this church. Now, that's unbelievable. Nearly 30 interdities, interdities established because of your generosity, right? Because of you. Right? And now here's the deal. Right? Those of you who sacrificed over the last few years and tithe, you helped make that happen. Not just the 30 here, right? But the year that we replanted this church, we also helped plant a church in Panama City, Panama. And that church just has their 300th baptism because you gave, right? Because we tithed, right? You helped make that happen. You helped uh, fund the the ministries for all of our kids that are are learning about what it means to forge their life on God. And what that looks like, not just for here and now, not just to get through high school. Not just to keep your faith in college, but to have an eternity with Jesus. To live life to the full, abundant life, as Jesus says that he's come to give us. Right, you help fund things that help parents understand faith and what it means to follow Jesus in the real world so that they can, they can teach these things to their kids, as it says in Deuteronomy. Right? Where as I go about my faith, as I go and forge ahead, I'm going to bring my kids with me so that they know the truth of the word. You help make that happen. And when a person that bears the name of Christ, when they say, Jesus, I, you're the Lord of my life. I give you everything right, and when they've been baptized, and they, their sins have been forgiven, and they're looking forward to spending eternity with God, that's the goal, that's the purpose, that's the why, listen, those other causes are important, right, but there is rejoicing in heaven every time a, a person is raised to life out of these waters, right, those, those angels aren't rejoicing for anything else, right? Right? The angels aren't rejoicing for, for, for anything else. So, so here's what I'm trying to say. Uh, don't be so earthly-minded that you're no heavenly good. All right? It's a tough teaching. Don't be so earthly-minded that we are no heavenly good. Right? So, so give 10% to the church and give an offering above that tithe. That's what offering is. It's above and beyond your tithe to the other causes. Right? And maybe the the method seems a little harsh, but the method reveals something about us. It reveals this, right? Bringing our full tithe to the storehouse shows God that He has 100 percent of our heart. right? It is a tangible way of showing God that we are all in Foundry Church. That we are going to forge our life on Him from top to bottom and our wallet included. We're not going to just kind of keep that off to the side. Martin Luther, the great reformer, not Martin Luther King. Sometimes I when I quote Martin Luther, I always think you guys think I'm thinking Martin Luther King. But the great reformer once observed this. He said, There are three conversions necessary: the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind. And the conversion of the wallet, right? God knows if we give back the first ten percent that we have placed Him before money, and let's make it money. Just to be honest, right? Money makes the world go round in our society, right? But but, best-selling author John Maxwell says this story illustrates this perfectly. He, he's talking about his fourteen-year-old son Joel. Uh, His son got his first job. He got his first official paycheck, and he was excited. He was thrilled. He came running home, and he showed uh, his paycheck to his dad, and his dad said, hey, uh, go show it to your mom, and and Joel starts marching down the hallway to where his mom is, and he comes busting into the door of the bedroom, and he says, you know what, mom? I don't think I can tithe, right? 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 Now, Now, when you think about this, Right? Right? This kid has, has more money in his hand now than he's ever had before, right? It's his first paycheck, right? His money, and now he says, I don't think I can tithe this, right? He has more money, though, in his hand than he's ever had before, and what happens? All of a sudden, he is, and he says, I really need this money for something else, right? Out of the mouth of a 13-year-old kid, a 14-year-old kid, Right? comes the truth of our human nature comes the the whole question where do i put god right is he first is he second is he fifth is he 23rd in my life where is god right right tithing tells god that he's number 1 in my life why is this so important very simple god won't rest until he's number 1 in your life right in malachi god was allowing their farmland to go to wither away why was it because god needed that extra four percent that they were withholding (coughs) excuse me no it is because not not tithing simply showed the true condition of their heart right so so god goes after their 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 finances and makes them worse why he went after their their land to jar us right to jar us to get our hearts back into alignment a lot of times when people are in a financial mess, they say they cannot afford to tithe. Listen, Foundry Church, you cannot afford not to tithe, <laughs> right? right? Greed is one of the most powerful forces of evil that we must combat. And Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, take, take a look at this, because it's kind of one of the basis of this whole series of scripture. So if you're in Malachi... That's the last book of the Old Testament. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Just flip on over to Matthew 6, verse 24. Right, this is part of Jesus' most famous sermon, right? his longest sermon. And he spends a lot of it talking about money and resources. and He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money right and and that is why why giving is worship right not giving to the church uh, giving to God through uh, the local church first thing we do with our resources is to give to God and that is us saying God you are first right Jesus Jesus said where your heart is there will be your money right for the the people of Israel their, their heart was in their farmland. It was in those resources or their animals or whatever cool latest gadget that the Israelite dads were into. Right? For, for you, it might be a little different. Maybe all your money is in your cars or, or maybe all your money is in what your house is like or, or maybe all your money is in your kids' phones or clothes or whatever else you think they need to be cool in school. Right? All those things are not necessarily bad, but they are when it comes before your tithe, right? God knows this uh, so much that that when we don't put Him first, He allows kind of things to fall apart, just like it did there and with the, with the Israelites, right? But the good thing about this is the opposite is also true, right? Look, when we bring our full tithe to the storehouse, God enables us to live better off the ninety percent than we ever did off the one hundred percent it's it's jesus math right you see god's math is just simply different right and that's probably why preachers are so bad at math right god has a way of making 90 percent that you have left go much further than you thought you could with a hundred percent why well simply put it's because god owns everything right the the whole nation of israel uh, has robbed god because he owns everything the nation has and the same is true for us today God owns everything right how many of you had parents when you were growing up uh, that said to you all right uh, or you said to them they, they come into your room and you say hey get out of my room right I'm mad at you and they're like it's not your room it's my house I pay the bills it's my room and everything in it is my room all right we've all had parents say that to us right all right <laughs> That's what God's saying. That's all that God's saying here, this section of scripture. Right? You're saying, hey, this money's mine. I'll do with it what I want. I'm smart enough to figure it out. right?" And God is smiling, and he says, that's what you think. <laughs> right? right? He, he owns it. He owns everything. right? That tithe that you hesitate to take of your wallet and to give, well, here's the thing. We don't give a tithe. right? We return a tithe his so we don't give it we return it a tithe is just returning to god what was already his in the first place and then get this god honors it he's like that's my boy Right, that's my daughter. Yes. Right. If you give away ten percent of your income and manage the remaining ninety percent in a godly fashion, God will give us raises, sustain our health, so that we can keep our jobs. Right. Allow us uh, to keep our job in the midst of a difficult economy. Or, or how about this? Right. This blessing cause us to lose our job, so that we'll get off our butts and we'll get the job that He wants us to have. Right. Right. His ways are not our ways right? He, he's going to curb our spending impulses, right? He's, he's going to give us the desire and the motivation to save. He's going to bless us with that, right? He's going to bless us with a relief of our anxiety about money. Uh, he's going to meet a need that might arise in someone else's life, and, and he's going to meet that need through us because we're giving and we're, we're being faithful, right he's going to lead us to reduce our lifestyle so that we can live on less one of the one of the things our values here at the foundry things that we don't necessarily talk about all the time but we hope you feel is transforming generosity and a lot of times i explain that as by just living living sufficiently so that you can give extravagantly right if you if you want to transform someone's life in a generous way whether it's money like we're talking about today or time or reason. you live sufficiently so that you can give extravagantly god's going to help us to do that right he's going to bless us he's going to give us ideas how to make more mo- make more money right he's going to keep on doing unnecessary expenses from arising right he's going to open doors for unexpected sources of revenue tax returns right rebates right? gifts of income and scholarships he's going to open those doors right give the, us the power uh, to help husbands and wives Work together as a team instead of always fighting to accomplish their financial goals. Right? What about that? Reducing those arguments and the anxiety and the blaming of each other. He's going to open new doors when jobs need to be needed. Right? He's going to help things that you um, that you own. He's going to help you sell them and and maybe in a stagnant society, make some extra cash. Right? He's going to come through for you in ways that you can't even imagine. He's going to provide funds uh, to further your education so that you get the job that, that he's calling you to have. The simple fact is this, you cannot outgive God, right? Yeah, God owns and knows what you need, right? He has it. He, he knows that you need it. He knows what you want. He, he owns all the stuff that you are going to need, right? He's, he's waiting for it, right? And that's awesome. It's the God that we're forging our life on. You'll always be better off giving away 10% and living off of 90% than keeping everything and going at life alone, right? And, and do, you, do you know how I know this? It's because it's proven over and over in Scripture, and I hear stories from you guys over and over again, right? Right, And the second half of the verse in Malachi, let me flip back there, uh, verse 10 again, right? It's just a the second half of it explains it even at a deeper level. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. <laughs> he says it himself, right? Right? Right, you cannot outgive God. Right? And that's the final thing uh, for you to know about tithing today, right? When we bring the full tithe into the storehouse, God will bless us and we can test him in that. Right? Now, some of you are giving me this weird look right now. Right? And but I'll say I'll, I'll say I'll say this once again for the people watching online or the people in the back, right? I didn't say this, God said this, I said this, right, and since God said it, that's exactly what we're going to do, I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and the hospitality team, uh, they're going to come in, and they're going to hand out these these flyers, these little note cards, um, as we sing this next song. We're going to hand these out, and what this is is just a 90-day tithing challenge, and there's two options here. The first one's this. It says, I would, I would like to test God's faithfulness by accepting the 90-day tithing challenge. I agree that starting next Sunday, my household, right, and you think, well, wait, maybe, what if I come and my spouse doesn't come, right? Well, do what you can then, right? That's half, do 5%, right? You got to figure that out with your spouse. All right, what can you do, right? But I agree that starting next Sunday, my household uh, will give to God through the foundry a tithe equal to 10% of my income. At the end of the 90-day period, if I am not convinced of God's faithfulness to bless my life as a result of my obedience to his word, then I'll be entitled to request a refund of the full amount of the contributions made during this 90-day period. All right? And then there's a box that says, I've already given to the God through the foundry 10% of my income and have seen God's faithfulness in this area of my finances, and I get some of you guys are traveling, some of you guys have homes in other places, wherever you call your church your local home, give, right, it doesn't have to be here, It's the kingdom of God, we're just an outpost, right, so I already give, but I commit to continue to give a tithe equal to 10% of my income, I do not need to participate in the 90-day tithe challenge, like, you're already doing it, all right, then there's some fine print there, right, I understand that following the requirements, all right, you got to, I, we got to have this signed so our bookkeepers can. Right, I don't know what you give. I don't know what anybody gives, right? But there's bookkeepers that do, outside bookkeepers, for tax purposes. So they can track that, right? I understand that my tithe must be paid online or in check, right? So we they can track your name, or have cash in an envelope with my household name so that the tithe can be properly documented. I understand that I cannot seek a refund of my contributions made prior to the beginning. You can't go back four years, right? I understand that this request for a refund may be received by the foundry within 30 days of the end of the 90-day tithing challenge. Fill this out. There's an offering box that we have every week back here. I know like 80% of our congregation gives online, right? But fill this out. Click one of those boxes. Put it in the offering box on your way out. Test God. He doesn't need your money right he doesn't need your money it's not about that he wants all your heart and for many of us in the American church right we say God you can have my life you can have everything you can do what you want but don't touch my wallet don't touch my bank account I can manage that God I forged my life on you but my finances I'm gonna keep that I'm gonna forge that all Right. This is saying, no, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God that he's going to do some work with that 90% more than what I could do with the 100%. And that's what this is. So fill this out. Fold it up. Put it in the box right there on your way out by the door. Take it home. Pray over it. Think about it. Fill it out. It's a way that we worship God from top to bottom. Let's stand and continue to worship him this morning.